Hello, friends, and however you are listening to this episode of On Grace, we're grateful that you are along for the ride with The Perfect Strangers. Remember that show? Uh, Balky. No. You don't remember that? It's a great show. No. Had a great opening theme. It's like, standing tall on the wings of my dreams. Was it a half-hour sitcom? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, w- I watched very few of those. You. I'm just not a sitcom guy. What do you watch? I did watch Andy Griffith a lot. Yeah, we talked about Andy Griffith. And yeah. so, I, you know, that's my standby. Most modern drama I find so utterly predictable. And the comedy is so utterly predictable. It's like, really? So, I just get bored with it. I don't watch it. Well, that was this was like late 80s. Late 80s, in like the 85 to 95 golden era of okay. television. But you didn't But you didn't watch it? No. I just, I didn't. What did you watch besides Andy Griffith? I was, I've always had too many hobbies. So, you know, I was either out shoeing a horse or fishing or hunting turkeys or making something or I just didn't watch, I didn't watch TV when I was supposed to, I'm sorry. So, so to be clear, it was it was Andy Griffith and nothing else. No, I watched other things too. I I, I used to kind of like Law and Order. Uh, now that we have cable, I love to watch like the Alaska shows. I like to watch the Survivor type shows where they're stuck out on an island, and have to figure out how to uh, make ends meet. Wendell, I want to say that if if I were ever stuck on an island. And I get to choose one person to be with me. You would be that person. I'm your man. You would be 100%. Uh, not, not an island. If we were stuck in the mountains, for sure, I'm your man. But on not, an island. Not I'm, the island? No, I don't like the ocean. I don't. I just never have. <laughs> I spent a summer in Wildwood, New Jersey, straight out of high school, and that did it for me. It's like it smells like seagull poop and... And the sand got everywhere, and and you listen when you when you jump into water and you taste it and it's salty. It's like no, no. Well, you're not supposed to drink it. You're not supposed no, to, you're not supposed but to I mean, it gets it. in your mouth. And they told me a million times it's gonna be salty. It was salty. <laughs> Can you believe it? It was salty. <laughs> it was awful. You, so, were scar- you were scarred for life. Well, I have been. Yes. Yeah. So my wife. Twisted my arm into one time taking our family on vacation to the ocean. And I think my kids liked it, but I did not. So we always went to the mountains. I like the mountains. So if you need to be lost in the mountains, I'm your man. I, I, I can help you out. Fair enough. <laughs> Just give me a call whenever you're lost. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> oh, um, you know... Wayne's not here. He's in chemo today. But update, his wife texted and said he's doing well, quite well. Yes. So we're glad for that. But as we've done these On Grace uh, podcasts, we have explored grace, of course, on grace. And we've explored um, what that looks like. And it's amazing how hard it is to get people to buy well, no, you, that's the wrong terminology. Get them to buy into grace or get them to accept that they are loved with no contingencies, no buts. I know I'm loved, but just end of sentence, I am loved. 
and to get the concept of being loved by God to go, what, the 12 inches from the cranium to the chest, get down in your heart to where it's no longer conceptual but actual and experiential. And it's amazing the resistance against that. Just It's just amazing. So we're constantly trying to figure out new ways to talk about the concept, which kind of opens the door to the experience. So here lately I've been thinking about um, the culture we live in that says, if I'm going to be loved, I need to make myself love a bull. And if I'm going to make myself love a bull, I need to produce something that makes me worthwhile or valuable to somebody. So need to be a good musician, need to be a good father, mother, teacher, you, you name it, you know. Yeah. It's this is all about production. Mm-hmm. I got to produce something. So it dawned on me that the people we adore the most and take care of the most fervently are the very young and the very old neither of whom can produce anything except poop. <laughs> it just <laughs> wrap your head around that one. The room just changed. <laughs> but think about it. A, a, a little baby can produce cries and fill their diapers, and they can't, they can't fix the family computer. They can't sing a song. They can't go grocery shopping for you. They can't even feed the dog or take out the trash. They can do nothing except sit there and fill their diapers. And yet we absolutely adore them just because they are, period. And, of course, we would adore our own children a little more than others, but what baby do you not adore, period, simply because they exist? That's the only reason. And then when they get to be very old, when we get to be very old, we go back to the same thing, you know, you Put on the depends, and <laughs> there you lay <laughs> in your bed, and and you can, you can no longer produce anything anymore. Right. You can't. In fact, a lot of people will lay there in a semi comatose state for several years and not produce a thing, and yet their family comes to see them every day. You know, and if they have a spouse, that spouse may very well sit there and hold their hand six eight hours at a time. What's with that? And so. If we as humans are capable of that, what we're really saying is that we're better at loving people who can't produce anything than God is. Because the only way God will love me is if I produce some kind of good behavior or stop doing some sort of bad behavior, and then finally he will love me. And frankly, little kids and old people can come up with some pretty bad behavior. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you're saying that you're saying that the most of the way that we view relationships or receive and give grace is transactional. Yeah. And young kids. Yeah. Or old folks. Yeah. Ruin the transaction essentially. Yeah. It does that. That theory does not work with them. So why do we? Why do we give permission for old folks or for kids to not participate in the transaction, but we demand from ourselves and from others? That they participate in the transaction. But I don't have the answer to that. Well, it's going to be a real short podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> I. Well, let me ask this: Is it? I kind of ask. I come at it from a different way. Okay. And and how how do we all of a sudden teach a child 
that you're no longer valuable because you are. Now you have to produce something. Right. Where does that happen? Yeah. And and why does that happen? Does it? I know people will say, well, they have to go to school. They have to learn. So you have to have some sort of grading system that said person A performed better than person B. I understand that. Do we need that? You know, um, I don't know. There's two, so two questions. Is is the need to produce an internal thing? Like I'm only lovable when I produce yeah. or, or is it an external thing? People only love me when I produce. I, I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. Okay. And, and second, um, is is this a case where we you're to use your analogy about grades uh is it is it a case where we're mistaking attention for love or are they one and the same yeah uh, well I, i'm not sure i'm not sure because okay so look look at the transition period here's here's the transition period where the kid i don't know how old they'd be because it's been a long time since my children were young but so they bring you a a colored picture of a bunny rabbit. Yeah. The bunny rabbit is purple. They don't make purple bunny rabbits. But anyway, they they color it purple, and and they get all out of the lines, and I mean, there's nothing about the picture that resembles a well colored bunny rabbit. Sure. It goes on the refrigerator. Right. I mean, you're you're gaga over this, and and the reason why is because they did something to give to you. It wasn't done well by artistic standards, but it, it, you know it's a. So is that transactional? I don't. I don't know. It's. It's more like wow, this relationship has hit a level where they realize they can contribute something and they want to contribute something. Yeah. And so I think that's the healthy. If you're going to use the word transaction, that's the healthy. When we start, well, you know. This this bunny rabbit would really make Daddy happy if you would color it the right color and stay in the lines. You, you know, that sounds that sounds awful. That's what I got growing up, hmm. and I think a lot of people do. It's not said; it's in body language, it's in you know tone of voice and that kind of thing. Boy, I really like this bunny rabbit, and there but there's an implied but, mm-hmm. and you catch it, kids. Kids catch so much subtle mm. stuff, and you know, so we're, somewhere it's we start to to realize I'm not I'm not measuring up to the expectations of people who I really care about, and so in some so we're tracking our the way our parents are raising us and the way God feels about us is is right along a parallel line and then sometimes the and somewhere down the line they start to to veer off. And then we get into a broader culture that just makes that a bigger it goes into a megaphone, you know. You didn't make an A. You don't get to be on the team. You don't you didn't make the cut. And so it you know, it just it makes it bigger and bigger. And and we're always trying to listen for God, always. And so we mistake a lot of stuff that happens in life for God. If the coach wouldn't let me play, then that's how God feels about me. If if the boss fired me because of this, then God would probably want to fire me. 
And we, because I think we want to hear from God. And so after a while, we start hearing him everywhere, even when he's not, he wasn't in that. You're saying we hear him in the negative. Yeah. Uh, and I almost think we hear him. After a while, I think we become conditioned to listen for him in the negative. Hmm. And, you know, and, and even if he's trying to say, I've recently been reconciled with my father. He, my father's passed on, but there's been some miraculous things that have taken place inside me to reconcile me with my father. And it's, it's amazing to me the positive memories that are flooding back in mm. of, of my life with my father. And I thought, I saw the negative stuff because that's what I was looking for. That's what I was listening for. Right. And so I'm, I'm realizing, but I think that somehow we get conditioned at a young age to, we want to hear from God, but we, always, we only hear him in the negative. And shame on our culture for, I mean, I, I played my part in it too, you know, but it's, it's a, yeah, it's, I'm, I don't have any remedies for this. I, you know, it's, this is my cutting edge. And next time we have a podcast, I'd, I'd like to kind of address, so how, what is this? What does this say about the way we relate to each other? Not just how God feels about us. God loves us like we love our babies and our senior citizens. That's the point of this podcast. I think then we need to have a podcast to say, so how does that translate into the way we love each other? Right. Well, I'm thinking about, you know, as you're as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about the way that I interact with my own kids, with my son and daughter. And, um you know, my daughter in particular was and is one that does um, art, you know, and mm-hmm, shares it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, very, very recently she did a project for school. And um, we, my wife and I tend to be uh, not not hands-on parents, but we're not lawnmower parents in that, you know, if, if, you, if you're doing this project, you're going to do it. We're mm-hmm. not going to do it for you. Yeah. And so she had, you know... Um, taken those little letters those little cutout letters you can buy and she had glued them on and uh had had called me in and said dad look at this like i made it i'm done and she had spelled one of the words like in her title oh oh, oh she yeah had, she had spelled it wrong yeah yeah and so in this moment you know in this moment like i felt the the gravity of <laughs> you know fatherhood yeah and you know, do i do i tell her yeah she's so proud yeah yeah she's beaming yeah or do I not tell her and let her take it to school? Yeah. Because somebody's yeah. going to know. Yeah, they're going to call it out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very, very difficult. I don't know that I navigated it super well. I said, I said, this is this is fantastic. I can tell that you've worked really, yeah. really yeah, hard yeah, on yeah. this. You know, I, th- I think you, I think you might have forgotten a letter, and so, you know, she looked at it and literally, you know, smacked herself on the forehead and was like, Oh, oh she caught it herself then. She did. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. More or less. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and so and, and so we, we fix it together. But. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about how as kids and maybe this is across the board, I don't know, uh, but how as kids we come to see God, we come to create God or see God in the image of our parents. Yeah. Yeah. And if that subtle transaction is 
Yeah. I'm not good unless I get an A. I'm not good unless I make the team. Yeah. And we formulate that and then take that with us. Yeah. I'm not good enough unless I yeah. produce or do. And how many group discussions would you have in church just like this, where even as we're saying this, somebody would say, well, I know I don't pray enough and I know I don't read oh, yeah, scripture. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no, you've completely missed the point. Yeah. No, no. This has nothing to do with that. What if you went blind? What if what if you had a brain aneurysm and you could no longer read, or or then you're less valuable to God? You're you know, hmm. it, it no, that's not how it works. Yeah. So it had somehow we have as a culture as a as a spiritual culture of Jesus followers we have to come to the place where we realize that when he picked up a little child and hugged on them, he loved them just as much as he loved, say, Nicodemus, who was a renowned person, you know, who he saw, this guy can actually be a spokesman for the kingdom. I mean, that's the way we'd see it today. And yet there was no, in his mind, there was no difference. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Grace. My name is Jason Brown. I've been hanging out with Wendell Van Valen. The two of us serve together with our friend Wayne Hunter at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky.